Welcome to Sustainable Futures, the sustainability podcast from Kantar, the world's leading marketing data and analytics company. In each episode, we speak with senior experts from a wide range of disciplines to bring broad understanding to complex topic areas and shine a light on the most pressing sustainability issues facing business and marketing, all designed to help marketers create sustainable futures for brands and business. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Kantar's Sustainable Futures webinar, where every two weeks we explore the impact of social and environmental issues on the world of business and brands. And we do this with guests from industry, finance, academia, social business, and NGOs. My name is Jonathan Hall, and I'm managing partner of Kantar's Sustainable Transformation Practice. Kantar is a world-leading data analytics and consulting business, and the Sustainable Transformation Practice works at the intersection of brands, people, and sustainability. And I'm delighted to have with me today Ali Kingston from Purpose Disruptors and Joe Royce from the Insight Climate Collective. Welcome, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having us. So, Ali, can I just ask you to introduce yourself, first of all, who Purpose Disruptors is and, and, you know, what you do, and then I'll ask Joe the same question. Yeah, sure. Um, So, yeah, my name is Ali Kingston. Um, I'm creative lead... Uh, with Purpose Disruptors, who are uh, a network of uh, kind of advertising insiders or or people who've spent a lot of time in advertising and marketing and who are uh, kind of awake, I guess, to the climate crisis and trying to figure out what it means to sit between our industry uh, and and that world. Um, So Purpose Disruptors started in a pub, like many good things, uh, in 2019. And at that stage, it was really just like 20 people in a room who'd come with some questions and holding the tension of the work we do uh, and and what we knew to be true about the state of of the climate crisis. And over the last few years, uh, Purpose Disruptors has has grown. It's it's kind of snowballed. to just a couple of years later, and we were at COP26 with kind of you know upwards of 2,000 of, of the industry uh, supporting uh, the co-founders on stage. Um, I'll just mention maybe the names of the co-founders. So it's it's Lisa Merrick Lawless, uh, Jonathan Wise, and, and Rob McFall, who uh, work across a kind of an, uh, a cross section of media, creative, and and client side. Um, and we've grown now um, to encompass a few more, including myself as, as kind of creative lead uh, with the organisation. Brilliant. Thanks, Ali. And Joe, how about you? Hi. Hi, Jonathan. Nice to be here. I'm Joe Royce um, from the Insight Climate Collective. Um, and I have spent many years working in commercial research in, in Insight um, for agencies and as a freelancer. Um, and as time's gone on, I've become... I think like many of us more and more concerned about the climate crisis um, and wanting to find ways that I can use my skills, my experience to help us understand, you know, what matters to people and how to drive some positive change. Um, so I became involved in in this project through the ICC back in 2021 with the original stage um, and then have been delighted to have the opportunity to get involved in this um, follow up research that we'll be talking about today. Uh, that began last year. Thanks, Joe. And I know the Insight Climate Collective is um, was started about a couple of years ago, wasn't it, by about half a dozen people from um, a collection of different uh, research agencies who came together. And, and since they've been, I guess, trying to model themselves a bit on purpose disruptors and trying to 
really bring people from the insights industry along to a greater awareness of, of the, um, the social environmental issues that, that we're facing. So great to have you, Jaron. Thank you so much um, for joining us. So, so I'm going to turn back to you, Ali, now, and um, I'd love to get you to explain a bit about the, the Good Life 2030 project. I know we're, we're just launching or about to launch stage two, right? Um, so it would be great to hear from you how this all started and, and where we are. Cool. So uh, maybe I'll start by saying that uh, Purpose Disruptors has a number of different pillars uh, they work in. So there, there's there's pillars around measurement and supporting the industry to measure uh, the the carbon impact uh, that it contributes to. There's there's a pillar around education, um, and then there's a pillar around creativity, and that's really about um, redirecting the the creative firepower of the industry towards new stories, um, new ideas um, that can really be in service of a thriving future. And that's what Good Life 2030 um, is all about. So this is really our sort of flagship project um, within the creativity pillar. And the idea underpinning it is that as advertisers, we are architects of desire. You know, we are the people who engineer the sort of cultural idea of what a good life looks like. Um, and obviously the, the one that we tend to engineer is one where a good life is, you know, more, 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 lots of status, wealth, um, all those things that we kind of know from, from consumer culture. And actually we also know that that version of a good life, A, can't keep going, you know, we just, we don't, we don't have the resources, um, our planet can't sustain it. And B, it's not actually bringing about much wellness and happiness you know we kind of know sometimes intuitively that we're not quite getting what we need you know the, the average american household has got 300,000 objects and yet you know many of us are vocalizing this sense of disconnect anxiety um, that that all of this kind of consumer culture is not resolving for us so the inquiry of the good life is about uh finding a new vision a new version of of this kind of idea of a good life to to move towards and to redirect towards and we wanted to do that i mean it's an ambitious goal it's just yeah i mean who knows it's an inquiry i think it's one one that we need to kind of co-create together um but we thought as a starting point to that we would uh we would work with with citizens to unearth their visions, um, because ultimately, you know, the advertising industry has has been a part of creating this problem. So we need to look beyond ourselves uh, when we think about when we think about fixing it. That's great, Ali. Thank you. And um, I know this is in stage two. Could you just tell us a bit about how stage one came about? Yes, uh, we began stage one in 2021. It was the wake of the pandemic. Uh, well, I mean, we, we were sort of still still pretty much in it um, and our first port of call was really a, a, a piece of research um, that we've we've just rehashed in stage two um, and off the back of that uh, that was really about um, unearthing citizen visions of the future of the of 2030 so the reason we call it good life 2030 is because that future date is such a critical milestone if we are to have halved uh, our emissions by then that's our that's our target our national target is to halve emissions by 2030 and by 2050 halve them again to net zero um which is 
immense if you think about it. The amount that will have changed societally if we have achieved that will be enormous. So what we're missing at the moment is a vision of that future um, that feels like it's worth working towards, that we can kind of imagine it feels good um, and we're willing to make a lot of changes between now and then um, to bring it about. So that was why we picked 2030 um, and our, our intention was to work with citizens to sort of see what other uh, possible futures could be imagined for 2030 um, that, that felt good and that weren't that kind of old good life story. Um, and that's that's what we began with um, with the citizen research in 2021. And another really big component of our of our um, inquiry was to take take it back into the industry. Uh, we created a brief uh, where the client was the future. So the client is the year 2030. 2030 has got a bit of an image problem. You know, right now we don't really know what it's meant to look like. It seems a bit spooky. Um, so it needs the talent of the advertising industry to, to kind of bring it to life, to drive salience. And, you know, quite playful with all of those um, sort of um, constructs that our industry knows really well with a, with a client briefing. Um, and off the back of that, we arrived at Ads for the Future. So we had three brilliant agencies in the UK who responded to the brief. Um, McCann Manchester, Gravity Road and Iris Worldwide created ads for the client that were then uh, that were then premiered uh, live at COP26 uh, back in 2021. So that was the first round. And now the second round is, is kicking off now. So we'll, we might be able to say a little bit about what will be coming down the track uh, this year. But it really all hinges on the research. Um, and that's what we've We've just published in the last couple of weeks. So let's talk about that. And, and Joe, I know being part of Insight Climate Collective myself, obviously we we collaborated with with Purpose Disruptors in those early days in Stage One, uh, and obviously we've moved into Stage Two now. It'd be great to j just get your perspective now from a, you know from the research side on how you went about designing the research, um, and and particularly I suppose interested in this the the notion of how you got people to imagine and vision that future because obviously that's not something typically that is is easy to do in research right yeah yeah you're absolutely right um so when we designed the original research for the first stage back in 2021 um we were really aware of getting people to launch too quickly into bigger ideas and visions of the future that, that could feel a little bit too abstract and, and too remote so we designed um quite an immersive multi-stage research uh, approach that enable people to start off in, in um, those elements of today that really mattered to them. So looking at, you know, the people or the objects or the surroundings um, that were most important to them. Um, and we conducted this research over a period of days on the research platform Revelation to enable people to explore this in, in different ways. So a mixture of journaling, of images, um, and particularly images were really helpful in, in helping people to project forward. What we wanted to understand at that point, because we were in a different time and you know, it was uh, fresh off the back of kind of emerging from, from the pandemic, we wanted to understand also and get people to reflect on, on what had changed for them, um, how, those, how their values had shifted, how what matters to them might have shifted in that time and, and what they'd begun to, to reassess. 
we also once we've built those initial learnings of, of more sort of more closely related to the here and now and, and what they'd been reflecting on more recently we were able to get them um, to project forward into the future so to think about what that good life in 2030 looked and felt like for them um, using a mixture of audio video and, and images um, to help build this really rich picture of of what that looked like for them and, and what they envisage um, for the future. As we knew that just asking people too immediately to think about that uh, can be a bit of a big leap. Um, and we also didn't want to uh, go in uh, focused particularly on bigger global issues. We wanted to start with with what mattered to people and what felt closer to home. Brilliant. Thanks, Joe. And and just confirming, obviously, this is UK research specifically, um, rather than and global. And and Ali, I guess just you know you you started talking about um, before, but um, why was it important to speak to citizens as as part of this research? Uh, well, maybe I'll just start by saying something on the language of um, citizens. So I guess you know, particularly the advertising industry, perhaps the the research industry often tends to think in terms of consumers and and by doing so we're sort of making people's consumption patterns their primary identity so i think it gets us quite stuck when you start to bring the climate crisis in because the only possible role a consumer can play is is changing their consumption habits like you know plant-based over meat or uh, you know reducing their consumption like flying less um, and the reality is we're just so much more than our consumption habits. You know, we're citizens, we can form communities, we can mobilise, live by different values, care for each other. So uh, there's just something there on the language of, of citizens over consumers, which I think we find really widens the aperture of what's possible and feels like an important uh, foundation for this work. Um, the second thing to mention on on our citizens is we worked with um, a brilliant organisation, Climate Outreach, um, who have a fantastic toolkit uh, called Britain Talks Climate, um, which is based on More in Common. I'm sure many of your listeners uh, know about it. Um, and within that, there's this fantastic segmentation of, of, of UK citizens by attitudes and, and values um, around climate. Um, so we were particularly keen to use something that was of, of kind of national um, uh, gravitas that was being used by the NGO community already and where we could make sure we were plugging in um, to that wider kind of segmentation of, of citizens that was super, super robust. Obviously, when we work with clients, we're always inventing our own new segmentations and we want this to be useful to as many people uh, as possible. And, and Joe, you started to talk there about, um, you know, what's what's personally relevant to people. And obviously, Ali, you were saying there about how, you know, we're really not thinking about a, a global piece here. We're thinking about how this is relevant to UK citizens in particular and citizens rather than consumers. Joe, it'd be great to just hear you talk a bit about why that personal element is, is so important and um, what role... Uh, that plays in in the research. Yeah, I think it's it's really important to start there because we know so much of of visions of the future can feel um, overwhelming, um, negative, frightening. Um, but actually, when you start in what matters to people today and what they envisage will matter for them for the future, it becomes to be a much more inviting vision um, 
and people can more easily begin to see a way to get there. So if we understand what matters to people um, at a personal level, we can start to work out what the connections through um, to bigger changes are. If we start too big, uh, it can it can sort of prevent people from being able to even envisage it at all, actually, um, because it feels feels that overwhelming. So that's where we started, and that's where we returned with this latest stage. Actually, we we revisited what matters to people, what they want for the future. Um, but with the knowledge of, of what we'd learned a couple of years ago to understand what, if anything, had shifted and, and how the world around them had changed people's perspectives. Yeah, it makes it so much more real and reliable, doesn't it? Because I think that's one of the concerns that people often have about uh, research in, in the areas of sustainability is that people, is the, you know, the value action gap, the classic, you know, people want to espouse these values, but they find it ex- extremely hard. Um, so Ali, can you talk us through some of the key findings then? Any surprises or shifts from the, the second stage to the first that you were talking about? Yeah, so so there is one kind of big headline uh, which comes through uh, each time. Now this is the second time that we've we've done this research, um, and it's very very clear that what citizens want uh, from their future good life is just to feel more connected, um, to feel more connected to themselves, but also to others, to their communities, and also to the natural world. Um, so pretty much everything that comes back, actually, in the visions uh, can be sort of clustered under one of one of those three pillars. Uh, this sort of general shift from a feeling today of being quite separated, uh, and which comes through in all kinds of in all kinds of different ways, to wanting to move towards a greater sense of of interconnectedness um, with self and with others and with nature is is the the big and consistent and enduring shift um for for the good life um but within that there are interesting there are interesting nuances we have seen we have seen shifts um between 2021 um and 23 um as an example if we take uh, that first idea of connecting to the self um in 2021 we saw people really reappraise free time their relationship with work um, starting to think about what it might mean to sort of reclaim, you know, commutes or other bits of life that had felt, you know, non-negotiable and suddenly were up for grabs, discovering new purpose, um, spending less time buying actually and, and sort of being came up quite a lot, just wanting time to just be. And that was really the picture of, of 21 emerging from a pandemic and, and very clearly covered, coloured by sort of reappraisals that had happened in that window of time. When we look now to this desire to connect for self, it's clearly been a little bit frustrated by the realities of of you know our current sort of climate uh, people really still want that slower pace but they're talking much more in terms of boundaries uh you know before there was the sense of kind of reconfiguring the whole thing and now it's like oh how can i just boundary my work life from my home life much more concern about the sort of shaky ground people feel like they're on a desire for firm foundations and a desire for self-sufficiency so kind of dreams of, of of being able to escape the 
you know, the cycles of mortgages and debts and, and subscriptions and all those kind of things that feel like they're, they're um, constraining um, citizens a little bit. So there are very much, uh, there are very much underlying themes which ring true. And then there are these interesting nuances where the vision of 2030 is, is coloured by, by the present concerns. That's brilliant. Fascinating. Thanks, Ali. And I think it's it's so interesting listening to you talk because I, I'd imagine that um, some of the listeners will be in a way surprised by how you guys are framing uh, this research. You know, you're not talking about um, climate angst, for example, or, you know, very specifically the issue, you know, the impact that people are feeling uh, with regard to that and the stress in their lives. You're actually um, rooting the uh, the environmental crisis that we're facing very much in um, society, uh, in social issues, and in people's personal lives. So, so I'd love to just sort of open that out now and and just get you both to think about maybe Joe first of all, thinking about you know why these findings are important and how this chimes with other. Um, other signals, I guess, other trends that you're seeing more broadly, so that people can get a sense of how we're, you know, we're situating these findings in the broader context that they, you know, may be more familiar with. I think, I mean, maybe this overlaps slightly with what Ali was saying, but going back to the research, which is obviously the, the bit that I'm closest to, seeing the shift from 2021, where people were able to be much more expansive and um, felt in many ways much closer to a good life. Today, um, or, you know, in 2023, when we revisited the citizens and looked um, towards how they see the visions of a good life now, it felt in many ways much further away. And we've seen how that has been influenced by um, a changing context by the financial crisis, by this sense of sort of ongoing instability. And from that, you see, um, I suppose, other desires and aspirations and themes emerging um, from what people are talking about that um, relate to the environmental crisis. So you can see how the financial crisis comes together with the environmental crisis uh, now in people's desire, for example, to be more resourceful. So we have that as a major theme emerging from 2023 um, that wasn't so present in 2021. Um, so although a lot, as Ali said, has remained the same, it's really interesting to see how um, visions of a good life and the connection through to what people want to see in this connection um, to nature and, and into their own lives has has changed according to um you know, changes in the world around them. Brilliant. Thanks, Joe. And, and Ali, um, just same question to you, really. How does this fit within the broader context of, of issues that you're seeing? Well, I think you've picked up on something really interesting, which is that in the framing of the good life and the, the kind of invitation to imagine one, what we're not doing at any point is uh, talking about the climate crisis or talking about sustainability. Um, and that's important because this is uh, a cross section of citizens that we've that we've worked with who are. Uh, it's not all citizens. It's it's a group in the middle, uh, climate wise, who are um, aware of and concerned about the climate crisis, but they're not really responding to that narrative around sustainability. Uh, you know, these aren't the audience who are sort of jumping to to plant based diets and electric vehicles. So we need to find new ways of engaging um, that, that 
take out that language and that actually just get to the root of things, which is like, what does well-being really mean? And then let's work backwards from that rather than the sort of circuitous route round, um, which is which is far too kind of carbon intensive and, and, and unhappy making, to be honest. So I just wanted to, to bring that up as uh, the reason why we, we frame that in, in that way. Um, and that the flip of it is, you know, these visions that people are describing where, you know, they are connected to each other. They are living in far more close knit communities. They're spending much more time in nature. They're working less. Well, these visions are way more sustainable than the lives we're leading now. So it just so happens if you do that life, you are automatically orienting towards greater human and, and planetary uh, well-being. Um, and that's a really important flip for us because uh, as an advertising community, what we are experts in is is the good life bit. You know, we're not really experts in in the climate crisis or in, in sustainability. We're experts in making visions of a different kind of lifestyle feel compelling and feel worth worth pursuing. I think the answer that you gave was a really interesting one. And Joe, from your perspective, obviously um, the, the first stage of the research was done in 2021. You've just completed the second stage. Could you just give us a, your point of view on how things have changed? Because even though it's a very short time period in terms of, you know, just the, you know, uh, 12 months or whatever, or 18 months, there's a lot that's changed within the societal context, isn't there? So it'd be great to hear from you about that. Yeah, I think um, that was that was the big question, really, is is what has changed, how much and, and why? Um, because we're aware so much has changed in the world around us, as you say, in a, in a short time. If you think back to 2021, when we did the um, initial research, people were emerging from the pandemic. Um, they'd been able to reflect and take, you know, most people have been able to take time and space to think about their lives and, and maybe make adjustments to them. And one of the first sort of big shifts we noticed in 2023 is people were feeling much more squeezed. Um, citizens were feeling much overall less optimistic about their ability to create this good life for themselves. Um, you know, gone were those opportunities to sort of step back and reflect and think about what mattered and how to reorientate their life. We're much more focused on, you know, meeting basic needs and, and making sure um, that sort of essential everyday needs were met, you know, fuel, food, um, those kind of essentials felt under threat today in a way that they hadn't before. Um, so we found that that did have a knock-on impact there, not on in terms of what people wanted for the future, but how far they were able to project into it. Um, the sorts of images that they produced were much more abstract. They were likely to be sourced um, from Google versus images of their own life. Um, so we really saw a big shift there. And, and alongside that, um, I suppose, after this feeling of kind of permacrisis and constant change, uh, there was much more yearning for, for things to stay the same and for, for some stability. So a lot of the projection forward into the good life 2030 was around um, actually what exists today, routines and rituals and, and consistency. Um, that that was a big part of what people were were envisaging, which was different from before. Both make a really important point, don't you? That actually the audience we're talking to here is not the the eco warriors. Um, 
it's not people who are more active on social environmental issues. It's actually a much more, let's say, mainstream audience. And it is the mainstream audience that you know we need to win over um, as we go forward. So a critical framing point there, I think. So I guess where I'd like to go now is just thinking about, um, as we come to a close, what's the last piece of advice you'd give to communicators or, or researchers um, listening to to this to this podcast, Ali. I hope this isn't too circuitous, but I think this probably is the the one thing I'd really I'd really want to impart, which is um, Joe touched us there on this feeling of a little bit of a a, a contraction in our our ability to imagine forward at the moment. I think there's lots of research around how when you know you're under a lot of stress, your creativity is reduced. So I think we are starting to see a little bit of a sort of imagination recession, perhaps we might call it. Um, and that's really concerning, I think, certainly to us at Purpose Disruptors, and I think of concern to communicators more widely. I think this feels like a moment to start to take seriously our, um, our role as communicators in sort of providing... Um, positive and compelling and, and energizing images and visions of a, of a life worth moving towards. So that's, I guess, not quite advice, but maybe a little bit of a, um, an invitation to, um, to consider that or to, to go and, and have a look at the research uh, generally. Um, and I think maybe just one other thing is this, is this shift from, from thinking about consumers to citizens. So if there's one really practical way that we can begin to reframe the way that we think about audiences, it's that, it's that one shift from seeing, seeing our audience through that very narrow aperture of kind of consumer behavior to a much, much wider and, and more expansive understanding of, of who we're really um, listening to and 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 trying to understand. Thanks, Ali and Joe. I think from the from the research side, I think um, the big learning from me from from this process was really about starting small and starting personal and and understanding what really matters to people first and foremost. I think that the temptation in bigger topics like the climate emergency and, and wider social issues is to start big, um, whereas actually um, the real insight from this came from, from starting small and starting close in and then understanding what the connection through to sort of wider changes and wider aspirations, um, you know, at a, at a bigger level were. Um, so, yeah, that would be my advice. Brilliant. Well, well, look, thank you both. We've heard about how obviously traditionally the advertising industry is architects of desire and the need to reframe the notion of a good life. And, and the shifts in values in that short time period from the first stage of the research to the second stage, which will be published shortly, and then the future projections out to 2030, the reframing of consumers as citizens, a key element in this, um, in this process, and how people want to feel connected both to themselves, to others to the community that surrounds them and to nature and all in the context of the so-called poly crisis that we're experiencing and will continue to experience of course so thank you both to get your hands on the latest report and head to goodlife2030.earth and um, that's it for today i want to thank ali kingston and joe royce again and we'll see you next time you've been listening to sustainable futures a podcast from kantar 
For all episodes and more information, visit Kantar.com. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. <laughs>